invite you to pray with me as we begin. Heavenly Father, will you send your spirit now to quiet our minds and open our hearts to receive your word proclaimed and heard and reveal to us your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask this. Amen. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. We are rapidly approaching the end of our summer preaching series where we're going through the Apostles' Creed, that ancient declaration of what it is that Christians believe, and asking, if this is true, really true, how does my life change today? Last week, we started the third section of the Creed, which is the section about the Holy Spirit. And I said last Sunday that the everyday work of the Holy Spirit in uh, the everyday work of the Holy Spirit was to continue Jesus' work in the lives of those who love him, guiding them and giving them a spiritual power to live godly lives. But after we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Creed moves on to a bunch of other things, and that's what we turn to this week. I believe in the church, forgiveness, resurrection, eternal life. And at first glance, this might feel like a bit of a grab bag. Like they just finished what they wanted to say about God and then tacked on some extra things at the end after the Holy Spirit. But there's a reason that these things are here, the church, etc. Because they're actually all things that the Holy Spirit does. This section is all about what God does through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our spiritual inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So the Holy Spirit gives us a taste in the here and now of what it is that God has promised. And today we're looking at the first thing that the Holy Spirit creates in and for believers, which is the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Now, I actually think this is probably one of the most confusing lines in the creed, at least for modern Christians. And if you find it a little confusing, I guarantee you that you are not alone. Because whenever I've been in a situation when we're talking about the creed, this line gets the most questions. Because what's it mean to say, I believe in the Catholic Church? Isn't St. Paul's an Anglican church? And who are these saints that we're talking about anyway? Are they the people in the stained glass? So let's start by clarifying what these strange terms mean. We've got five words here that are going to be unfamiliar to many people, especially if you're brand new to Christianity or you've, you've just come in because you're spiritually seeking. And we, let's just say what they mean. So first is holy. Holy just means set apart for God's purposes. It's special, sacred. The opposite of holy is common. So something's not bad just because it's common, but something is holy when it's set apart for God's purposes. The second is Catholic, and this is the one that's the most confusing by far for most people. In a small c sense, Catholic means universal. What it means here is that God's church is worldwide. It's a spiritual reality that's bigger than any local or national church or any denomination. It doesn't belong to any one people. Now, Christians believe different things about this. The, the Roman Catholic Church's name refers to the belief that the Roman church is the universal church. Anglicans don't believe that. Anglicans believe that the Anglican communion, a giant global family of churches, is a legitimate part of God's Catholic universal church, but God's church is bigger than us. And that's why when we baptize, we don't make new Anglicans, we make new Christians, and it's why all baptized Christians are welcome to receive the Eucharist here, because we see ourselves as part of that larger universal church. 
And that's the third word, church. This might not seem confusing, but let's say, are we talking about a denomination, a building, an institution, or what? It's simple. Church is the community of people who love Jesus, both globally and locally. It's a community. Fourth, as we turn to the communion of the saints, communion is spiritual fellowship. It's relationship in common. That's why we sometimes refer to the Eucharist, to the Lord's Supper, as communion, because it's our spiritual fellowship with Jesus and with each other. And finally, saints is being used here in the way it's used in the Bible, where it means holy people. Again, there's that word holy. A people set apart. People set apart for Jesus, followers of Jesus. So it's not just the people who get saint as a title, like St. Paul, but believers everywhere, both living and dead, because they're all united in Jesus and God doesn't lose any of us. So if we take all of this and we put it into different words, another way of saying this line of the creed that might make more sense to modern ears would be something like this. I believe that God has set apart a community of people who love Jesus, which is universal, worldwide without distinction, and that all followers of Jesus, whether living or dead, are united in a spiritual relationship with each other through him. But of course, that's just what the words mean. So what's that mean for us, for our lives, for our spiritual journeys? What difference does it make if that's true, this holy Catholic church, this communion of saints? And to be honest, what's it mean to say we believe this about the church and Christians when they are so obviously not that in real life, holy or Catholic or in communion? So to answer all these questions, we're turning to our reading from Ephesians chapter 2, I encourage you to follow along in your Bible app or the few Bible in front of you. It's page 192 toward the back, Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 11. This is a section of a letter that the early church planter Paul wrote to believers in Ephesus, ancient Greek city in what's modern Turkey. One of Paul's main goals in the letter was to help the Ephesian Christians realize what God has done for them in Jesus. That in Jesus, God has done for us what we needed most that we could never do for ourselves, which is a restored relationship with God. It's something God gives, not something we earn. And that's why the Christian life is basically an extended exercise in gratitude. And among the things that God has done for us is to create the church. That's the point of today's reading from Ephesians. The passage starts in Ephesians 2.11 by dropping us into the middle of a deep social division in the ancient world, which was the divide between Jews and Gentiles, or non-Jews. Paul's writing primarily to Gentile believers in Jesus, and he pulls no punches in reminding them that they did not earn their way into the church that they belonged to. Because it used to be that there was a people, the Jewish people, who had God's law, and then there was everyone else who didn't, and you were far from God, Paul says. But now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled God's law in his own body. And in fulfilling the law, he creates in himself one new humanity that brings together the two. So that human beings aren't divided anymore between those who have the law and those who don't. Now it's all about following the one person who kept the law. Because, verse 18, through him, both of us, Jews and Gentiles, which is to say everybody, all have access to the Spirit in one spirit, to the Father. Because those who love Jesus receive his Holy Spirit, as we heard last week, who restores us to God the Father. It's all about a creation being reunited 
to the creator. So because Jesus has brought all of humanity together, Paul says, you're not aliens with no rights anymore. You're citizens with the saints. You're full members of this new community, a new community, but not just that, members of a household of God. The metaphor here of the community, the church, it's architectural. Verse 20, he says, it's a building built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The cornerstone sets the lines of a whole building. It establishes plumb. And if, if a cornerstone is flawed, the building looks like a Picasso painting. It's good art. It's bad architecture. But Jesus Christ is not a flawed cornerstone. In Jesus, Paul says, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in Jesus. God's making a living temple out of believers. The church is a building, but not a building that we make out of stone It's a building that God makes out of you and me and those who have come before us. We talked last week about the spectacularly audacious Christian belief that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, lives in the hearts of those who love him. And that's true. But this week we see an additional way that the Spirit works, that it lives with us. Because it's not just that the Holy Spirit lives in those who love Jesus as individuals, It's that the Holy Spirit forms a community out of those who love Jesus, and the Holy Spirit lives among us as well, in each of you, a personal connection to God that you carry with you wherever you go if you love Jesus and have trusted your life to him, but also among all of us, and especially abundant when we gather, when we can see each other, a communal connection to God. This is the Holy Catholic Church. I know what at least some of you are thinking. I know what at least one person is thinking because it's me. (laughs) You're thinking, didn't you just talk about the difference between Roman Catholics and Anglicans? Not to mention Eastern Orthodox, Presbyterian, United Church, Baptist, Pentecostal. The list is just endless. So how can the church be universal? And you might be thinking, holy, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, crying, laughing emoji. Holy, like set apart for God. Have you ever met a Christian? Do you know what the church has done in its history? The series of horrors and abuses that can be laid rightfully at the church's feet. All things done in the name of Jesus. Holy. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But here's the thing. The spirit, like every other good thing, the spiritual reality of the church is God's work, not ours. So the church isn't holy because it's good. The church is holy because it's a spiritual body of Jesus Christ who is holy. The church isn't Catholic because we're undivided. Its universality is due to the fact that Jesus died for everybody, regardless of race or color or creed. And the communion of saints isn't because we all get along so marvelously well with each other, but because Jesus holds us together. The church is holy and Catholic because Jesus is holy and Catholic, not us. And because one day all of creation will be reunited with God in a communion of holiness. So we don't have to make the church holy and Catholic as if we could, God help us. Whenever Christians have tried to do this, they just wind up cutting out parts of the body, excluding people that Jesus died for. We just have to live into what Jesus has done and what the Holy Spirit is promised, is making for us. 
So we are holy only in as much as we are chasing after Christ. And we are Catholic only in as much as we are chasing after Christ. And we have fellowship, we have communion only in as much as we chase after and hold tight to Jesus Christ. And at its best, when we do this, the church actually is holy and Catholic. The communion of the saints, like right now, imperfectly, I know, imperfectly, always, but it's a foretaste of the holiness and unity that God has promised to those who love Jesus. Because the church is a community that draws no line of race or nationality or ethnicity. In our, in our staff conversation about this passage, Josh said the Holy Spirit was like the anti-algorithm. I thought that was so great. I had to use it. I have to give him credit too. We live in a world where social media reinforces uh, our beliefs and computer algorithms isolate us into groups with people who think like us and look like us. But St. Paul's looks like a TTC platform at rush hour, for goodness sake. Rich and poor, native and settler, all races and ethnicities, dozens of languages spoken. I've actually wondered this on a Sunday morning. I would just like want to do a poll and find out how many languages are in the building. Uh, I bet it's way more than we think. Across a spectrum of neurodiversity, ability, and disability, with our addictions and our failures and our griefs, we come to praise the name of Jesus. The unity in our diversity is not something we've accomplished that we get to pat ourselves on the back about. It's been given to us by Jesus through the Spirit. And this is a holy community, a holy community, not because we are so good, but because we don't exist to make ourselves feel good or to say that everybody's okay just as they are. We say that God loves us just as we are and thank God God doesn't leave us just as we are. We exist as a community to grow in the Holy Spirit, to live lives pleasing to God, to help each other mature in the image of Jesus. So we read God's word together. We sing God's praise together. We pray for God's help together. And we do that as saints, as holy people, because our Lord is holy. We are blood relatives by the blood that was shed for us on the cross. So how does this change your life? How does the belief that the Holy Catholic Church, how does it believing that that exists change your life? The thing is, it's not a belief that you get to hold like conceptually or in theory. You have to be willing to get into the messy reality of the church, which you've already done. You've come, you're watching, you're in the messy reality of the church, and then you have to stretch toward that beautiful ideal. And if you are spiritually searching, first-time visitor, I want you to know we are so glad you are here and you should feel free to visit and question and wonder with us. Take as much time as you need. There is no pressure. But I would be remiss if I didn't also note that at some point, at some point, God knows. The church is a thing that requires a decision. Do you want to pursue your questions and doubts, your hopes, your deepest questions from within the spiritual body of Christ with people who will encourage you? Maybe a first step would be to give us a connection card. We talk about them all the time, but if you're new, you don't know that. A connection card. Say, I'm here. Here's who I am. Taking that step of opening yourself to be known a little bit. We'd love to get to know you. If you're ready to say yes to the church and you're not baptized, then baptism is for you. Our next baptism class starts in September. You're invited. If you have been baptized, you could pursue confirmation or stand up at our next new members Sunday and publicly claim this as your church home. These people as your people. Wherever you're coming from, whoever you are, we would be overjoyed to have you be one of us. 
And for those of us who are already members of this church, the question for us is how can we help this place live into the unity, diversity, and holiness that is Christ's spiritual body? Maybe it means joining a connect group. They're starting again after the summer hiatus. We've got some new ones debuting as well. There's a new connect group of people who found themselves sitting at a table at a church event, didn't know each other, and were like, hey, we should form a connect group. You can do that. Just email me. It will be something I can put in my monthly report and take credit for. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something that you can do because this is where we really share in the lives of the saints. Maybe it's service in the church or without in, in the refugee committee. Or maybe you... Just commit to praying for each other, praying for the people that you sit next to that you know and that you don't know, and try and get to know people better so you know better how to pray for them. But for all of us, wherever we might be, for this belief to land, it's really about our internal posture toward the church. Whether we imagine this as a place to be visited on occasion, like when we need a spiritual top-up, a worship experience to be enjoyed, Versus a spiritual body to which we belong. The way our fingers and toes and hearts belong to our bodies. Not just on Sunday mornings, but every minute of every day. A body that Christ died to create. And a body that's birthed by the Holy Spirit. The church isn't an obligation to be guilted into. It's a promise to be received. And I want you to, as we close, think about that promise by imagining walking through the glass doors of the atrium and you meet the Lord. You meet Jesus and he makes you feel safe. And you can tell him everything you've ever done, everything you've ever done wrong, every wrong that's ever been done to you, every hurt that you've ever endured that you've never whispered even to the people you love the most. And he embraces you. And even if you're not a hug person, this one feels okay. Because this is someone who will never harm you. This is someone who loves you. This is someone who will die for you. What would it be like to be in a community of people like that? Where you are totally known and totally loved for who you are and in spite of who you are. And now imagine, you're not the one walking through the doors, you're the one greeting the person coming through. You're the one welcoming the person who is broken, scarred, and scared. The person who needs help. The person who will irritate you. The person who will be needy. The person who you're just never going to like that much. You belong to each other. I am looking at a walking talking, breathing, temple of the Holy Spirit. You are Jesus Christ to a world that needs love. God has done the work, and God will build his church holy and Catholic. It is simply for us to live into it. Through life and death, there is only in the end the love of God in Jesus Christ, in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. Amen.